Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshipped worthless idols only become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought, death, where no one lives, no one travels. And when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land, corrupted the possession I had promised you. Verse 8, the priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who taught my word ignored me. The rulers turned against me. The prophets spoke in the name of Baal, wasting their time on worthless idols. Therefore, I will bring my case against you, says the Lord. I will even bring charges against your children in the years to come. And I preach today in the ears of Jerusalem. In the ears of Jerusalem. Amen. Now, Father, right now I pray that you would anoint me to preach the word and you would anoint the people to receive it wherever they hear this today, tomorrow, or in days to come. Anoint it, add a blessing to it today. And we thank you for that. Someone speak his name in Jesus' name. Come on, say his name in Jesus' name. Amen. And I thank you. Just to be clear, there is a tremendous amount of rhetoric that does not tell the story of our feelings of success. We say what success is, we think a little differently. The accumulation of things, money, cars, houses, regardless of what is written or said, the definition of success in most minds do not match the wishful thinking. Most stories of success entail financial gain. Some include educational accomplishments or well-adjusted and obedient children. (laughs) You are successful if you have well-adjusted and obedient children. That counts us out. If you are an opinion maker or a trendsetter, There is some measure of modern success for you. Perhaps a person is successful if they know where they're going. They have a plan. They execute that plan. They're confident while doing it. By any of the aforementioned standards and by almost all every other measure of success, Jeremiah the prophet was a miserable failure. His book is in your Bible. Forty years he served God. He preached truth. He prophesied to Judah. No one listened. He was the evangelist of the hour without a single convert. He was the pastor of the nation without one member. But God told him to speak into the ears of Jerusalem. Jeremiah was poor in a literal way. He was thrown into prison in chapter 37. In chapter 38, he was thrown into a cistern. He was taken captive into Egypt in chapter 43. He was rejected by his closest neighbor, chapter 11. His family rejected him in chapter 12. He battled false prophets and false priests in chapter 20 
They were always belittling and decrying what he had to say. His friends gave up on him. His audience abandoned him in chapter 26. He was not allowed into the temple, so God told him to write out his sermon. But the king at the time and the royals dismissed his writings. I'll read it. Whenever Jehadu had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off. He cut them with a scribe's knife, threw them to the fire pot, pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. Jeremiah 36 and 23. And the king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. The fact of the matter is that for 40 years, no one listened. But God commanded Jeremiah to speak into the ears of Jerusalem. I cannot tell you why Jeremiah did not walk away. He spent the greater majority of his time agonizing over the people who would not listen to him. All of his efforts were either marginalized or rebuffed. It looks like through scripture and most historical accounts that the entirety of the people did not even give him the time of day. If he wasn't being persecuted, he was being shunned. If he wasn't being snubbed, he was being mocked. The only thing that can be assumed is that he was hoping that they would develop ears to hear what he had to say. His calling was to speak into the ears of Jerusalem. It was up to them to hear it. He told them what he saw. It was a vision of an almond tree and a boiling pot. He told them that the vision in year one was an almond tree and a boiling pot. It signified the approaching ruin of Judah and Jerusalem, but they would not hear it. It might have tweaked their senses at first. Perhaps they thought about it, but as the years go by, prophecy loses its shine. Their collective and united rejection made him into an Old Testament man of prayer, the most prolific man of prayer it is said that he knelt so much jeremiah that his knees were like camel's knees they were large and swollen and flamed all the time he preached truth and he was an intercessor he spoke into the ears of jerusalem but they repudiated what he said they did not receive it jeremiah preached from about 627 to 586 bc And in the last year, 586, Babylon came and conquered the people, took them prisoner. Judah fell into the enemy's hands and Jerusalem was sacked. The people enslaved, their treasures plundered, stolen. Jeremiah's entire ministry was like a 40-year countdown. He was called to preach, to speak into the ears of Jerusalem, and God gave them all that time to develop ears to hear. If you could see their bondage in pictures, it would turn your stomach. If you could see the waste that they all became under the brutal hand of the Babylonians, it would make you turn away. No one would want me to describe it today. Jeremiah prophesied before the last five kings of Judah, and all of them, one by one, led the nation down the progressive path of immorality and vain living. Money and wealth was their God. Fame and fortune was their comfort. Pleasures, leisures, and the rise of personal opinions became their claim. Jerusalem never had it so good and so bad at the same time. They had the world's greatest intercessor 
and most profound prophet, preacher, and pastor, the weeping prophet, before them. And they did not hear a word he had to say. It's a little depressing to read his book. There's so little redeeming moments in it. You want to move on to some other book, a psalm. Only the goodness and long-suffering of the Lord himself can redeem it. That God would wait all those years, that God would burn up an entire man's life, his ministry, just trying to speak to his people. Jeremiah gave them words and they denounced them. He gave them scrolls and they burned them. He gave them insight, visions, memories, and historical miracles of the past and they dismissed them summarily. Jeremiah was preaching. There was sound, but they had no ears to hear it. And you may not grasp the weight of my next line, but think it through with me. Israel's history was not enough to save them from Babylon. For a people without ears to hear, God's goodness was not enough to keep them from bondage. The crossing of the Red Sea was in their history. Their escape from Egypt was in their history. Fresh morning manna, a flint rock that followed them in the wilderness, gushing like a geyser, that was in their history. Not to mention the thousands of victories over their enemies. They had it all, but ears without hearing cannot remember the blessing. Jeremiah kept on preaching. He was reaching for them. And to this, the entire southern kingdom could have been saved under the leadership of this most profound prophet, but they could not hear him. Ears to hear. They mean more than just the retention of sounds. Obedience is found in those ears. Memory of what God did for you are found in that hearing. Even the fear of the Lord and of his prophet reside there. There were messages in the ears of Jerusalem, but they did not receive them because they could not hear them. A friend of mine called me a few months ago. I've been in contact with every pastor that I know and pastors that I don't know have called me so many times. And we've been talking and networking and helping one another. I think this phone call came in May. We were just discussing things. He was asking about our media department. I was... Of course, naturally, telling about the people who are so diligent, bragging on our staff, so many hours of work and preparation for the live stream. Uh, They've been preparing for this moment, not knowing that this moment would come. Um, The people who record and they mix and there's sounds and there's lights and, and the musicians working with the media, it all adds to our hope of reaching people with the gospel, with worship and the word. This is our prayer. And we pray over our moments here. Even when I preached to this empty house for 10 weeks straight, we were praying that God would use our combined efforts for his glory, that our singing and the words would bless the people that are watching. I pray that it's a blessing right now to whoever is watching. I prayed yesterday that God would anoint this moment and that while you were worshiping, you would receive your healing at home or wherever you're watching. I pray that there's a transfer in the spirit that the Holy Ghost would move into your lives. We have earnestly sought the Lord. We've asked him to allow his spirit to move into every place just as he moves here. 
If he's no respecter of persons, I don't think he's a respecter of a place. But it takes people to make this happen. It takes money to buy the necessary equipment. And believe me, we've spent a lot of money to do this. We're thankful now. When they first would ask us for a better budget, we would, we would scoff at them. But now we're thankful. I hate to admit that, but I have to now admit this publicly. I don't know if I could be saved if I don't apologize to our media staff for, for giving them such a hard time about another camera. I'm so glad we have the other camera. Or whatever they've done. I don't know. They're like the daughters of the horse leech. They're never satisfied. <laughs> After we talked about the challenges of keeping the church together, it's a challenge. This is a major challenge. It's a burden for all of us. Pastors, it's a burden for all the ministers. It's a burden for all the leaders. Every youth pastor is crying over their youth groups. He told me about one of his other friends. He said, I got to tell you about this man. I said, okay, I I barely know him. I, I, I don't really know him. But he said, well, let me tell you about him. He said that they were all preparing for their live broadcast. And the people were ready and they had... They've been doing it for several weeks and emails have been sent out and phone calls were going out on a weekly basis reminding the people, tune in to the church website. Church is live tomorrow, coming Sunday. The pastor was already burdened because of the congregation that he had taught for all those years and cried over and prayed over. They were all missing, of course. They were at home or someplace and he's at the church by himself. There's a small group of people recording him. He had just a couple of musicians, two or three singers. They began their service. The musicians have practiced. They practiced. He said they practiced a lot and they had it all together. They were rehearsed. And the pastor said that it was wonderful. The music and the worship was excellent. They all felt the spirit of the Lord in that house. Tears were, were being shed. Then the pastor got up to preach and he delivered the word of God. And one of the ladies in the church was at home watching and she said... And I quote, I could not turn him off. I could not take my eyes off of my pastor. And I was praying for him the entire time. And I was hoping that someone would turn on the volume. (laughs) Sight but no sound. They sang and they played music. They prayed and they gave the announcement. There was no sound. And that one precious lady sat in her home the entire time waiting and hoping that, that someone would turn on the sound so she could hear him. Something was wrong with the audio. It might have been human error. It probably was human error. Because it had worked the week before. The video was coming through. He preached his entire sermon, but no one heard him. She said, I watched him sweat. I saw his face as he preached and delivered the word of God. He gave it his all, but I couldn't hear him. The pastor was distraught later when he found out. Can you imagine? He said, I had the word for the people. I preached it the best way I could. My suit was soaked. My heart was open, but nobody heard me. Sight, but no sound. Delivered, but not received. Ears, but no hearing. Moses was nearing the end of his 40-year leadership and he looked at the children of Israel and he said, you've seen great wonders and miraculous signs through these 40 years of wandering and your clothes didn't wear out. 
And your sandals did not rot on your feet. You've seen all these things. And then he said, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive or eyes to, to see or ears to hear to this day. You don't even know what it all means. You don't know how great and how wonderful it has been. Your indifferent hearts have blocked your understanding. All of those blessings, but because you didn't have the right heart, you couldn't hear. And at the end of Moses' 40 years, they were left out of the promise because spiritual ears hear the sounds of the Spirit and they, quali- and they are qualified by a change in living. What did Jesus say? He told the sower of the sower and of the seed. The sower is the preacher, the teacher, and the seed is the word. He spoke of the ground, the soil, which is the heart of the people. He made the parable clear. Of all the parables, he made it clear. I thought it was clear. And yet, at the end, he still said this. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Because you can hear a parable or a lesson and still not receive it. And Jesus went on and he spoke about truth. He talked about hiding a light, light given but, but not revealed, about putting it under a bushel and then covering it. He said it was meant to be seen and it will all come out. And he concluded that parable with these words in Mark 4, 23, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And then he began his next line like this, take heed what ye hear. Because anyone can hear the sound or read the story or see the sight. But there is a hearing that changes our direction. It rearranges our thinking and transforms our heart. Roughly $2 billion will be spent in advertisements on this presidential election. And there will be millions of people listening, tuning, hearing what is being said. But I'm most sad and disturbed that the church of the living God is listening to politicians but rejecting what the Spirit is having to say. I'm going to talk a little bit. Daytime talk shows, nighttime news channels, thousands of YouTube channels, the endless chatter of people, all vying for a place in your limited emotional reservoir. If the church was as passionate as reaching the lost with the gospel as they are with sports, politics, entertainments, or careers, there would be thousands more people living for the Lord and baptized. Saved. All of that noise that's in this world will not get you one step closer to your your eternal future and destiny, but it may lead you away from heaven. And I know this. God will not scream over the sounds of your life. We have to work on ears to hear what is the Spirit saying to you. Jesus said in Matthew 13, The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Those angels are going to gather the tares and burn them with fire. So shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. Verse 42 of Matthew 13. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said this. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You and I stand in the final hour of this dispensation and I ask you, what are you hearing? What can you hear? I'm trying to hear. I'm working on an ear to hear. I want to know what the Spirit is speaking to me and to my family and to the church. I've got 
to know that. I need to know what is the Spirit saying. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That means the Spirit is not vague. It's not a muffled sound of incoherent noise. It's clear and it's true. I'm working on my ear. The word wants to break through. The spirit has something to say. I've got to work on an ear to hear. But the sounds of this life often drown out the message of the pulpit. The sounds of personal opinions so easily blankets the words of the preacher. I want Jeremiah to keep on preaching. I need him to keep on trying. And yet people from every demographic and parcel of land have heard the preach word only to leave it and not know what was said. Some of them were good-natured people, but consumed with their self or the noise of a busy life. People have walked into this very sanctuary and heard lessons and walked out, but they only heard what they wanted to hear. They rejected the bulk of it because it did not fit into their heavily guarded misconceptions. The scripture says they killed their prophets. They rejected their words. Ears that cannot hear. Sights, scenes, no sound. I hope you can hear me today. Because to hear with spiritual ears means you have to adjust your life to the word. You never adjust the word to your life. And when you start adjusting your life to the word, it's going to be difficult for you. In fact, the deeper you are in yourself, the harder it is for you to get out of yourself. 20 years. It'll be 21 in October, but let's just say 20. 20 years. 52 Sundays, two services per Sunday, 2,080 sermons. Let's just narrow it down to 2,000 sermons. What if only 10% of them were good? (laughs) That could be true. What if 90% of those sermons that you heard were bland, confusing, misguided throwaways? What if you were just like the Cubs fans? And you said, maybe next year. <laughs> well, coming back, we got faith in you, Pastor. You're going you're you're to connect next. Keep swinging. What if only 10%? That means you'd have 200 words to live by. But if you only had one, just one, then you would join the entire cast of 100,000 plus people in Nineveh which repented with one one line sermon delivered in a hateful way. You would join the people in the far reaches of Asia Minor in Paul's day. You would join the millions of born-again believers trapped under the oppressive weight of China's socialistic and communistic regime this very day. We've heard more words than most of the other 7 billion people alive in the world and almost 13 billion to ever have lived. I'm working on an ear to hear. I'm hungry to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because ears that cannot hear produces lives that do not change. So Jeremiah, preach, preach to me. I've got to have an ear to hear. Go look at the end of it all. Jesus is speaking to John, John the Revelator, and he's writing. It's the book of Revelation, and the Lord addresses the seven churches of Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Persia.
Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And in each instant, Jesus concludes his admonition with the same words to every church. He that hath an ear, let him hear with the Spirit, saith unto the churches. I'll give them to you. You've got to know this. To the church, the first church, the, first, the church that lost their first love, Ephesus. Jesus said, you used to be on fire. Every one of these churches reside in this house. You used to be on fire. You used to love to come to church. You used to worship here. You once danced and sang. You were saturated with it all, but you lost your first love. You were excited. You couldn't wait to get to the house of God. You couldn't wait to get to the church. You put your Bible down on your favorite seat, but you lost your first love. And then he said in the final of that, of that admonition, he that have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to you. And then to the church, the people who have been persecuted, that's the church in Smyrna. Jesus said, you are going to suffer. You're going to be put to the test. But be faithful. I'll give you a crown of life. Even if you are put to the test and you die in this life, I'm going to give you a crown of life. If you've gone through suffering, rise up and be faithful. Don't hang your head down. Don't be low. If you've had trouble, do not be discouraged because you are not living for this life. I'm going to give you something over there. And to the compromising church, the one in Pergamos, the Lord sympathized and he said, listen, I know you live in the city of great idolatry. It's called the seat of Satan. It's the site of the local Acropolis where Zeus and the emperor are worshipped. I know it's a wicked city, the Lord said. And I know that you are still believing in my name, I know. But you've been compromising with your separation from the world. You've been looking like the world. Carnality is all around you. Yes, you believe in my name, but you've taken on the actions of the city and you've got to repent, the Lord said. He said to them, I'll give you some of the hidden manna, all of you compromisers, and it'll be more than enough to satisfy you. Just repent. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. It's been a long road, Jeremiah, but keep on preaching. Don't give up on us yet. A change is coming and we've got to be saved. And to the corrupt church in Thyatira, I'll read this to you. Jesus said, I know thy works, corrupt church in Thyatira. I know your charity. You're a given church. You have service. You have faith, patience, thy works. The last to be more than the first. But you have tolerated a rebellious spirit of Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess. Jesus called it immoral. And then he said, I have given her time to repent. If you have an ear, hear what the Spirit has to say. Because you can do all the good things, but you can't tolerate these horrible spirits. And they're not demonic spirits, they're human spirits. He addresses the dead, dried up saints in Sardis. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Let me help you with that. You call yourself a Christian, a Pentecostal, or whatever in title, but you're dead. You're dried up. It's been ages since you clapped, shouted, danced, spoke in tongues, or witnessed. You're a Christian, but in name only. You've got no joy. You've got no love. You've got no commitment, no forgiveness. Just dead and dried up. It's time. Here's what the Lord said. I'll read it from the NIV. Wake up! Revelation 3, 2. 
wake up strengthen what remains if you are down on everything but you got just a little bit of faith you strengthen that strengthen what remains it's about to die for i have not found your deeds complete in the sight of god remember therefore what you have received and heard remember what you heard obey it repent but if you do not wake up i'll come like a thief you'll not even know that i've come he that hath ears to hear let him hear what the spirit has to say it's not all gloom and doom because the church has something to say to the faithful church the faithful body revelation 3 7 and to the angel of the church of philadelphia write these things saith he that is holy he that is true he that hath the key of david he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth i know thy works behold i have set before you an open door and no man can shut it for thou hast a little strength but you kept my word and you've not denied my name since you have kept my command to endure patiently i'm going to keep you from the hour of trial i'm coming soon so hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crowd him who overcomes i'm gonna make him a pillar in the temple of my god oh he that hath ears to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying and there's one more Jesus addresses the lukewarm people located in Laodicea. And Jesus wants them to make up their mind. Be hot or be cold. He does not like the taste of lukewarm. Yeah, you say you've got it all together. You're rich. Need of nothing. But in reality, Jesus said you're cold, naked, blind, and poor. You need God and the church and the gospel and the house and the message and devotion more than anything in this life. Jesus said, I rebuke those whom I love. And I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Verse 20. Here I am. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. How many times have I seen it both in our church and in churches around the country, the nation, one of my friends told me of a family that were offended at him. They got offended. It was a real offense. <laughs> he knew it. But then they became disgruntled and, and they left. Most of them left. Just one of the daughters stayed. They would show up, but their offense blocked his preaching. The word, nothing got through the barrier of their offense. Bitterness doesn't allow the word to get into people's lives. Whatever he preached was filtered through their perception. So they reduced him to a public speaker. And they minimized him as a flawed man. And the result was no ears to hear. That was at least 25 years ago. And today they're backslidden. The man believes in God, but his wife doesn't want to have anything to do with God. The man has lost everything. Only one daughter is serving God. The rest are gone. One is hooked on drugs. The story devolves from there. I know. I know. You're going to tell me you're not backslidden. You're going to tell me that you know the sermon. But ears to hear does not simply mean that you heard it or took notes. It means that you obeyed it and lived by it. Don't give yourself comfort if there's no change in your life. Because a book full of notes does not constitute a heart full of change. Ears to hear is a reset. 
There's a cutting away. There's an adherence to something deeper than the sound. I'll tell you this. Only those who are truly humble will be thankful for a pain but life-saving surgery. I hope I'm not that preacher who is preaching and sweating and giving the word, but there's no sound. Tell me that the volume is still there and there's ears that can still hear the word. Somebody tell me that I'm not spending my life up here preaching the word, but you're not receiving it. That you say, yes, Lord, I hear what the Spirit has to say. I'm almost through. I don't want to be through, but I'm almost through. I want the Lord to speak. I'm begging Jeremiah, don't stop preaching to us yet, Jeremiah. Don't stop giving us the word, Jeremiah. I see the countdown going. I see the minds and the ears of the people. They're tuned into everything else, but they don't know the word. They don't know the spirit. The last miracle before the cross of Calvary. The Lord showed this to me. The last miracle before the cross was not the healing of the blind. Of course, anyone could look through the Bible and see it. It was not the cleansing of the leper. It was not the raising from the dead. I'm not here just to give you a trivial point or a fact. The last miracle that Jesus performed before he entered the last few hours before he was crucified was not turning water into wine or feeding thousands of people with bread. It was unique and spontaneous, perhaps even in defense of his lead disciple, Peter. You see, Peter was a fisherman. He was not a soldier. And he was standing there under the darkened sky, the clamoring soldiers' torches being their only form of light, the temple guards all led by the one who would betray the Lord. Anxiety rises high. The tensions mount for whatever reason. Peter has a working sword. It's not a military sword. It's a working blade, some blade for menial things of his trade. They're there to capture the, the Lord. He draws his blade. He swings with reckless abandon. He's not a very good shot. His aim is wanting as he cuts off the ear of Malchus. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can live without an ear. You can live without it. You might look a little funny, but you can live without an ear. <laughs> the body can function almost at 100%, almost 100% without one ear. But among the many underlying revelations and truths that occurred in each moment of the Lord, and knowing that every scripture written is layered with depth and meaning, the Lord has showed it to me. I cannot help but see it. Jesus does not walk away from a fallen ear. He healed Malchus. Though it made no difference in his execution, he's still on the way to the cross, but he's not going to go there without showing us something. He bends down and picks up the ear, the severed ear, and puts it back on the head of Malchus. And while I, I can't say for certain, it seems to me that there is a great significance in the final miracle before the cross. Because if you can't hear it, you won't understand Calvary. Is the Spirit speaking in the ears of the church? Are you a young person 
But you are drowning out your walk with God because you are not listening to the Spirit. Sometimes you just have to sit in a room and be quiet. Sometimes you have to come to the church and listen to the preacher. Sometimes you have to get into a midweek Bible study. Don't shun the midweek Bible study. I know you got things to do, but what are they? Show me what they are compared to eternity. Somebody tell me what they are. Tell me what they are. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying today to you. I will say right now, God is talking to everybody. Can you hear him? I've got to hear you. I've got to hear you. Right now, open up your ears right now to God. Open up your ears right now to God. Say it with me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. I need to hear from you. Speak to me, Lord. Some of you need to repent today. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you. Some of you need to ask God to clean your heart out. You've tolerated things in your life. Some of you have been discouraged because you've been persecuted, but I want you to lift up your head. Some of you have compromised your time. Some of you think you have it all together. You don't even know how desperate you need the Lord. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear the words. Jesus, we need you today like never before. Speak now. Speak, speak, speak. I wish you would just stand with me. And even if you're at home, I want you to stand right now. and I want you to close your eyes wherever you are. I want you to reach out to God with your words. And I want you to say, Lord, speak out. Help me to have ears to hear what you're saying. I want to have ears to hear what you're saying. Yes. I want to develop an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to me.